Welcome to Outbeat Extra. I'm Greg Morelia, and here with the entire, and I mean every member of the Outbeat Radio team, for this very special Outbeat Extra and our roundtable discussion about this post-election period. How's everybody doing? Great. Uh, Great. Really? Uh, (laughs) We had a positive day. Uh, It was an amazing day. I don't know how many of our listeners were at the... Uh, community connections event at the Sonoma County Fairgrounds, but you know there were a hundred and what was it a hundred and two organizations there, uh, and members of the team were there. We had a table, and it was packed the entire day. Yeah, it was so packed you couldn't really walk. Yeah. You, you <laughs> but, really couldn't. But we got to talk to a lot of people who couldn't walk, so they said, "Well, who are you guys?" So we got to tell them all about Outbeat Radio. Lots of fans of Outbeat Radio and KRCB. But it was amazing, though, really. I mean, I didn't expect that many people, you know. Thousands. Tons of people. You barely can move in that building. And it was a steady stream all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it started at noon, and the place was filled up shortly after noon, and it was filled until it ended near 5 o'clock. So if someone didn't attend it and they're wondering, you know, what was the event you guys are talking about? In in one sentence, Gary, what, what was it about? Um, you know, grassroots, organ- yeah. you know, a, a group organized this in response to the election and people wanting to become more engaged with the community and everything, s- school programs, the environment, of course, immigration, um, the media. That's why Outbeat and KOCB was there. Um, what other groups? There were, there were youth organizations. Right. Santa Rosa JC was there. There were Food political groups. The ACLU was women. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. right. It was really everybody, and there was a there was a lot of energy in the room. It mm-hmm. was. Uh, there were, I got a real feeling that people really wanted to Positive. be involved. Positive, and people walking right. up to us and saying, "I love you know, I love the radio show. What's Outbeat? If they didn't know about Outbeat or what's KRCB, what can I do? I, I mean, I don't think we've ever had an event where I, we had twenty people sign up." To volunteer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and all the tables, you. and all the tables were like right. that. Absolutely. People are signing, mm-hmm. donating. I mean, we got a donation, KRCB, yep. right? You remember? Yeah, yep. it's yep. really yep. good. Yep. Really good. All right. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about this post-election period. We're going to be talking about how to sort out fact from fiction in the news. We're going to talk about what threats are legitimate, which ones maybe aren't so legitimate. And that's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio news for this Sunday, January 29th, 2017. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. An Idaho man has been charged with a federal hate crime after prosecutors said he lured a gay man to a remote location and then beat him to death. Kelly Schneider, 23 years old, was indicted by a grand jury earlier this month, but the case was kept sealed until he was taken into federal custody. U.S. Attorney Wendy Olson said that Schneider is set to be arraigned this coming Tuesday. Snyder's already pleaded not guilty in a first-degree murder charge in Idaho State Court in connection with the April 2016 death of Stephen Nelson, who was 49. State prosecutors say Snyder posed as an escort on the website Backpage in order to rob those who responded to his ad. Three others have also been charged in state court in connection with his case. Snyder and Nelson are both from Napa in southwestern Idaho. Nelson was found naked and badly beaten wandering a neighborhood near Lake Lowell, west of Napa. He was able to give police information about the attack, but died later in a hospital. In the federal case, Schneider is charged with willful assault based on sexual orientation, resulting in death. If convicted, he faces up to life in prison. 
And in Utah this week, a pair of gay rights advocacy groups said a judge should halt Utah's state law that discriminates against LGBT students by restricting talk about homosexuality in schools. The National Center for Lesbian Rights said in a news release this week, the law creates a, quote, chilling culture of silence that stigmatizes LGBTQ students, end quote. Lawyers wrote in a legal filing, quote, its only purpose is to express the state's moral disapproval of homosexuality and codify the views of those within the community who harbor such disapproval, end quote. The state of Utah has denied it has anti-gay school laws, saying the case, quotes, selectively from state and school rules. They say the state school board is immune from the lawsuit and asks that the case be dismissed. Utah State Board of Education spokesman Mark Peterson said the board has no comment on the request for the injunction because it has not seen the filing. He referred questions to the state's attorney general's office, where spokesman Dan Burton said the case is being reviewed and a response will be filed next month. The Utah law includes a provision that prohibits instruction on advocacy of homosexuality, contraceptives, and sex outside of marriage. The provision was part of a wide-ranging sexual education bill that was passed with little dissent in 2001. The Utah State Board of Education adopted a similar rule earlier that applies to any class that covers marriage, childbirth, and parenthood. Democratic State Legislator Brian King introduced legislation just this past Thursday that would strike the language in state law that bans advocacy of homosexuality. He said his sex education reform bill wasn't spurred by the lawsuit, but said that teachers need to be able to have age-appropriate, fact-based discussions with their students about homosexuality without worrying about violating the law. And here in California, the L.A. Times reports that driver's licenses and birth certificates could have a third option for gender in addition to male or female under legislation unveiled this last week by Democratic lawmakers. The bill by state senators Tony Atkins of San Diego and Scott Weiner of San Francisco would establish a new non-binary gender marker for official state documents. Lawmakers frame the measure as an expansion of rights for transgender, intersex, and other people who do not identify as male or female. Atkins said it would keep California at the forefront of the LGBTQ civil rights movement. SB 179 would streamline the process for people to change their gender on these documents, and it would remove the requirement that an individual obtain a sworn statement from a physician certifying medical treatment for gender transition. It would create a process for people younger than 18 to apply for a change of gender on their birth certificate. Joe Michael of Equality California, who happens to identify as transgender and non-binary, said, quote, For the first time, Californians like me would have an accurate gender marker that truly reflects who we are, end quote. Scott Weiner said the proposal places California in stark relief to other states in the country, including North Carolina, where HB2, that high-profile law regulating transgender people's use of public restrooms, roiled the state. Wiener said, quote, as the LGBT community, but especially the trans community, is under assault in this country, California needs to go in the opposite direction and embrace the trans community and support the trans community and modernize these laws, end quote. The legislation doesn't specify what the alternate gender marker would be, but Sasha Burkhart of the Transgender Law Center said other countries that have implemented such a policy, such as Australia and New Zealand, have used the letter X alongside M for male and F for female. For a complete calendar of LGBT events and meetings happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com and stay connected with important LGBT news we're following at OutBeatNews.com. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia.
Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. All right. Welcome back. And we have a studio full of hosts from the Outbeat Radio team here. Before we get into our conversation tonight, let's just go around, everybody. Introduce yourselves so our listeners can get your voices in line with your names. Okay, I'm Diana Grayer, and I co-host with my wife, Sheridan, um, Living Proof. And I'm Sheridan, and I co-host Living Proof with my wife, Diana. (laughs) All right. (laughs) The first Sunday of the month. The first Sunday of the month. And the third Sunday of the month, I co-host, along with Michaela, who you'll hear from soon, um, Out Be Collage, Out in the Arts. My name is Gary Carnavelli. Awesome. And I'm Jeff Basham. I am the uh, silent team member a lot of times um, in the background, helping with the website and other things that are going on in the Outbeat universe. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. It's been a couple years at least since I've been on the air. So nice to be back. And I'm Michaela Kinn, and I co-host with my co-host, Gary Carnavelli, Outbeat Collage, third Sunday of every month. And I also do the music show the second Sunday of every month. Awesome. Awesome. And if you're not familiar with Outbeat Radio, of course, we are here every Sunday night. We have four brand new shows every month. And on a fifth Sunday like this one, we do what we call an Outbeat Extra. So tonight we're talking about this post-election period. And uh, unless you have been completely detached from the news, there is an awful lot going on. Gary, let's start with you. I mean, there has been so much news and so much of it has been fictional. I think that's really been the one of the biggest problems that we've seen throughout this whole presidential race. And now the emergence of alternative facts. Uh, you've been involved. You've been a journalist for many, many years. Help us understand how to sort through fact from fiction in the media. Right. Well, there's no such thing as an alternative fact. There's truth <laughs> and falsities. Um, uh, right. And, and uh, with social media, it's a huge issue. I know I post articles on my um, Facebook page all the time and lots of people, people post, post articles. Um, and, but it was a real problem and Facebook has needed to address it. Twitter's dealing with it. Um, many forms of social media are really concerned with this information that is coming across on social media and people just reading the headline, the first paragraph, and not really knowing the source. So if you're concerned about a piece of news that you're reading, especially online, um, it, check, check, uh, read beyond the headline and the first couple of paragraphs. Um, fake news often sort of falls apart after three or four paragraphs, um, which is a telltale sign. Um, check to see uh, the source, of course. You know, if it's Washington Post, most likely they're not going to say it's Washington Post or the New York Times, um, but they could. Um, so click through and go to the site. Just don't read the information um, just on, on the post. Um, and, and if you don't recognize the source, uh, do a little research. I mean, if you're interested in the story and you want, you, you know, it's something that uh, you, you think you're getting some decent information from, um, again, Google the website, Google um, the original source, Google the author. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a really big problem, and um, it's probably what lost Hillary Clinton the election, um, in addition to all sorts of dirty tricks. Um, but so many people rely on social media for their news, 
um, and they're getting bad news. They're right. getting bad information. Uh, you know, Fox News, that's another story. <laughs> um, uh, right. Another topic. Right. But, but people should really be paying attention to the source, right? I mean, yes. don't just take everything that you read with a grain of salt and say, well, that must be the truth. And pay attention to satire. The New Yorker is a very reputable publication, but they write a lot of satire. Right. And so before you pass it on as, as legitimate news, you know, know what, you're, know what right. you're reading. Before you share it. And responsible sharing is also up to you. Right. Um, uh, before you post something, um, read through. Because sometimes, again, you re- you know, you're in a hurry. You read a couple paragraphs and you think, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, post, post, post. Right. And you could just be posting incorrect information. Right. Well, last week we were talking with Neil Broverman, who's the executive editor at The Advocate. The Advocate's, you know, been around 50 years, probably one of the most reliable sources of LGBT news anyway, and that was his comment, was look at the source and, and find some trusted news providers. So here in the Bay Area, for LGBT news, the Bay Area Reporter, GaySonoma.com, produced by our own Gary Carnavelli. Those are reliable sources. And then, of course, on the Outbeat News site, we have links to our trusted news partners. So if you don't know where to go look, start there. Right. And, of course, you're getting great uh, news here on KRCB, through NPR, the PBS NewsHour. Um, and uh, one more thing, and support those news organizations locally and nationally, internationally, um, or they will not survive. The Guardian could be gone. The, you know, the Chronicle could be gone. The, the New York Times could be gone. Um, everyone's really struggling. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be they had lots of people able to uh, do the research to, to present the news in a reasonable fashion, and there are fewer and fewer people who are doing that, um, and that's a scary thing. And especially in a time yeah, like sure this, is. when sure we, is. we're facing an administration like this who seriously believes there are alternative facts. <laughs> right. Well, I know one of the things I heard today, Sharon Dye, from people, and I know you were talking to a lot of the folks that came to the uh, Community Connections event we spoke about earlier. There's a lot of fear out there uh, and a lot of stress that comes with that. Um, this is your area of expertise. Talk to us about what people should be doing to take care of themselves from a mental health perspective. Well... Yeah, fear is all over the place. Like, that is my business. I deal with people all the time around fear, and we were talking about it today at the uh, uh, Take Action, Community Take Action event with a lot of different people. And, um, hey, fear, we know what it does. It's debilitating. It, it puts us back in the closet. It holds us hostage. We don't want to do much when there's fear involved, right? But we, we don't have time for that right now. We can't be afraid. We will not go back into the closets. Um, I suggest uh, get involved somehow because fear is happening because our rights might be taken away from us. And I I believe in community involvement, Um, get involved with um, different groups, Um, uh, start a meetup. Um, and for those people who are, are afraid, because there are people who are not even out of the closet now. You think they're going to come out, you know what I'm saying, right. because of what's going on? So as far as how debilitating fear is, start a meetup, um, get into community uh, with people who are like-minded. Also, stay away from those negative 
you know, even the news threads, stay away from anything that's negative that's not going to support your freedom, not to support you from coming out. Um, because it's a mind game. Fear plays with you. And I don't want my marriage equality rights and all of that. I don't know what Trump's going to do with my rights, your rights, our rights. So we're going to have to stay active and uh, and be tough. Um, you know, we have to do things that normally we wouldn't do. Uh, to stand up and take some action. Um, I mean, that's what I've been telling my clients um, to do. Um, So at the same time, we want you to be safe and to be careful. So going out alone, if you're afraid, you know, maybe you don't want to do that. You want to be with a friend if you're going to go out to the bars or whatever and hanging out. Because we want to stay safe, but at the same time, we don't want fear to... Take us back into the closet. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, scary stuff. And we're going to talk later in the show about some of the organizations and getting involved, as Diana suggested, because there's a lot of opportunity around that. Cher? Yeah, I have three ideas about how we can take care of our mental health during these times. And the first idea is I really believe that's import- it is important to limit our news intake. Even though we just got done talking about reputable news and it's important to be informed for sure but you know there's people that watch news 24 7 and i mean the same stories get repeated all the time and i think that that is toxic especially if you're watching a lot of violence that's in the news these days i suggest that you watch it if you do watch um, for only an hour a day and if you want to get more news then listen to the radio go online, kind of the things that Gary was talking about earlier. Um, We have a great news program here at Outbeat Radio. And, you know, listen to podcasts. You don't have to watch it all the time because, for me, watching all that stuff interrupts my sleep, makes me really, really depressed, and um, I don't think it's good for me, and I don't think it's good for anybody, to be honest with you. My uh, Another idea around the news is to balance your news intake. So, you know, we watch all this horrible news. Well, there are two great websites that I look at every single day that kind of replenishes and tells us the good things people are doing. One of those sites is called Upworthy.com, and the other site is called Stumble upon stumbleupon.com and if you want to see what good things are happening in the world you know take a gander and go look at those things because i think it's really important to have balance in our lives with the news the second idea that i have is to become a specialist there are so many things out there that we want to help with and you know we're all going what can i do what can i do and just like at you know 102 different organizations just here in sonoma county just here in what santa rosa you know, we can't do it all. So so find one thing that really um, gets your gander going, you know, gets under your, your hair and go do that. Become a specialist and not a generalist. And I, I got those words from Reb Irwin Keller, who's spiritual leader over at Ne'er Shalom. Just find something that you believe in and help with that particular one issue. For me, it's really about trying to help our Muslim neighbors feel safe and welcome. And um, xenophobia is an enemy of mine. I don't like it, and so I try to help wherever I can with that. The third way that I think we can help with our own mental health is to find a personal way, personalized uh, way to spend time with yourself. 
So if we're out busy helping everybody and we lose who we are, then we're really no good to anybody. So find something that you love to do and do it for a half hour or an hour. Art, garden, listen to music, um, write poetry, write music, um, exercise. This stuff is really, really important so we can replenish ourselves so that we can help the world. Fantastic advice. Yes. Uh, I really think that's important. You know, we take time for ourselves. And I really like what you had to say about finding something to specialize in. Mm -hmm. You know, find your passion. Don't just sit back and let the world spin around you, but find something that you're really passionate about and grab hold of it. You know? Uh, you mentioned immigration. You know, let's talk about that now because that's that's a huge story right now. I, mean, I don't think you could be right now, right, right yeah. now, <laughs> this instant. Uh, Jeff, you talked about a story you read online um, uh, that just happened about what yesterday involving a actually it happened this morning. This morning, yeah. and it was uh, tell us about it. So there's. Um, Com- uh, companies out there that uh, do chartered uh, cruise vacations. Um, one is RSVP Cruises, another one is called Atlantis, um, and they do these specialty vacations for uh, primarily, uh, the two that I mentioned are primarily for gay men, but uh, what happened on the Atlantis cruise uh, that was uh, returning and into port, uh, into um, Port Everglades today in Florida this morning is that on return, um, about a dozen of the passengers had left um, on perfectly legal visas, green cards, things like that, uh, f- having citizenship in other countries, uh, in these countries now that are banned uh, by Trump. Um, And they came back and they were detained or otherwise um, had a hard time getting back into the U.S. um, where they rightfully live, where their homes are, where their jobs are, where their families are. Partners and spouses. Exactly. And they... So so they left a week ago on this absolutely glorious vacation, and then they had to spend probably a good half of the vacation, the latter half of it, contacting lawyers and the ACLU and all these other organizations just to find mm-hmm. out if they were going to be allowed to come back onto American soil when they returned mm. from their vacation. That's crazy. So if, if you had not been paying attention, uh, our new president signed an executive order which placed a ban on, what, seven different countries uh, for immigrants to to come into this country. And so even folks with green cards who were from those countries were banned. Now, that the tragedy of all of this, particularly for LGBT folks, is that many of those countries, if you're out, could cost you your life. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, Gary, I, you've got a list of some I, of those countries. Yeah, I, and I'm trying to the seven on his list. I believe they're all here. So there, there are countries where homosexuality is punishable by death: Pakistan, Afghanistan, Qatar, Iran, Iraq, Syria, um, United Arab Emirates, Yemen, Somalia, Sudan, right, um, Nigeria. So these are all countries where just being. LGB or T could cost you your life if you're found out. It's a capital offense. And that's really one of the reasons that people seek asylum here in the U.S., because being in their country and being out could cost them their life. 
This immigration ban is not only a condemnation of Muslims, which is horrific enough, but it's a very large condemnation, kind of an unspoken one in the news, for LGBT folks. So it's really a very, very important issue. Now, fortunately, we have a federal judge in New York who issued a stay on that ban. Uh, And while this thing gets sorted out in court, but can you imagine, can you imagine being a citizen or being someone here legally out of the country and being gay and potentially not being allowed back into the country, into this safe harbor? I mean, it's got to be terrifying. And, and, uh, you know, there's a bully in the White House. And these bullying tactics um, do tend to work. Now, I was listening to the NPR little news brief while before you were probably en route. And um, a number of men walked into a mosque in um, Quebec and killed people. Now, how empowered are people like that by a bully? And by this rhetoric, I, you know, this was in Canada, not right. even here. Well, there was the mosque here in the U.S. that was set on fire. Right, right. In, in Texas. Texas yep. Right yep. after the order was signed. Right. And we're seeing hate cries, on, uh, hate crimes on the rise, bullying on the rise since um, that right. man's election. <laughs> I guess the point I'm trying to make is that this immigration issue is not just about Muslims. This is, right. a, this is an issue that directly affects our community. And it's not just our community. It's... Everyone, it's it's all all immigrants. Um, I being being the youngest member of the the outbeat team here. I remember being in fifth grade and going to uh, to uh, uh, New York and, and Washington D.C. and seeing the Statue of Liberty, and that just being an, a great symbol of America. And to me, right now, it feels like you know that's that's not mm. we're this isn't America. This yeah. isn't this isn't what my vision of America is and what I hold in my heart. <sighs> well, the other issue I've heard uh, people expressing a lot of concern over is, of course, marriage equality, and I think there's tremendous fear about these rights and our marriages being dissolved. Uh, If you followed the American Foundation for Equal Rights during the pursuit for marriage equality, you may remember watching some commentaries by Matt Baum. He recently posted a commentary on what the potential risks are to marriage equality under this new administration. The National Organization for Marriage says that now that Donald's president, they have a plan to undo marriage equality. But can they do that? Is marriage really at risk? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And in fact, ever since the Supreme Court granted nationwide marriage equality, a handful of our old friends have been exploring ways that they could weaken or roll back those rights. And now that Republicans control the federal government, they could set those plans in motion. Here's how they could do it in three easy steps. Step one is simply to weaken the protections of marriage. They can't stop marriage altogether, not at first. But in a variety of states, there are subtler efforts already underway. For example, the Arkansas Supreme Court just gave the state the green light to withhold certain rights from same-sex married couples. In that case, it was the right to have both parents named on their kid's birth certificate. The court said that straight couples can automatically be listed as parents, even if one isn't biologically related to the child. But gay couples can't. There isn't even a pretense here of separate but equal. It's just explicitly separate and unequal. And take a look at what's happening in Texas. There's a group of citizens there suing to stop Houston from offering spousal benefits like health insurance to the same-sex spouses of city employees. The group says that even though the state has to issue a marriage license, it doesn't have to go further and treat the couple as though they're married. 
There's also a bill called SB 89 that goes even further. It says that the Texas Constitution, which prohibits same-sex marriage, trumps the U.S. Constitution. So, according to this law, the state shouldn't have to issue any marriage licenses to same-sex couples at all. Rulings and laws like these are popping up all over the country, and it seems like they ought to be unconstitutional, right? Well, they probably are, but that's going to be up to the U.S. Supreme Court to decide, and guess who's going to be in charge of appointing the next few Supreme Court justices? That gets us to step two, strategically appointing Republicans in key positions. Among Donald's picks to fill seats on the Supreme Court is Bill Pryor, a judge who's already spoken in favor of letting states arrest gay couples for having sex in the privacy of their own homes. And this step isn't just about the Supreme Court. Donald's pick to run the Department of Justice is Jeff Sessions, who a decade ago tried to amend the U.S. Constitution to stop gays from marrying. If he becomes Attorney General now, Jeff Sessions could ask the Supreme Court to overturn marriage on behalf of the U.S. government. That carries a ton of weight, and we'd only need two justices like Bill Pryor for the court to say, okay, But wait, Jeff Sessions can't just show up at the Supreme Court whenever he feels like it. He'd need a lawsuit, some kind of legal conflict, in order to make an argument. Well, remember those weirdly unconstitutional laws and rulings happening at the state level? In a lot of those cases, the only way to resolve them is to bring them to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that brings us to step three. The opponents of marriage equality have set up constitutional conflicts in the states. Nationally, they've installed allies at the courts and the Department of Justice. And now, they'll have an excellent shot at using those conflicts and those officials to overturn marriage. It would be very weird if the U.S. Supreme Court reversed their marriage decision after just a few years. But very weird things have been happening a lot lately. And even if this strategy doesn't work, don't worry. They've got a backup plan. It's called the First Amendment Defense Act, and it wouldn't let the government overturn your marriage. It would let random strangers overturn your marriage. It does that by granting all people, which, remember, includes corporations now, the right to decide that they will not honor your marriage license. So you can get married, but then your insurance could refuse to extend coverage to your spouse. Or if you need time off to care for your sick partner, your boss can be like, no, I don't think you're married. And if you think taxes are complicated now, wait until you have no idea whether some official at the IRS will insist that you're still single. So even if the Supreme Court isn't ready to overturn marriage yet, the First Amendment Defense Act will act as a little lawsuit engine, generating constitutional conflicts for years to come until the right case to overturn marriage equality comes along. And until then, you'll still be able to get married. But marriage won't mean what it once did. Marriage used to mean that you get a whole suite of rights and protections. But soon, it could mean that you'll have no idea when those rights might just disappear. Marriage will constantly be changing, depending on where you go and who you're talking to. So, in other words, the Republican plan is to redefine marriage. If you want to know more about these sneaky attempts to undermine marriage equality in the states, check out my video about the phantom roadmap to LGBT discrimination. And check out this video about how Republicans hide discrimination in religious freedom bills. You can watch those and a bunch more on my YouTube channel and subscribe to get more videos like this. Also, let me know your thoughts in the comments and at Matt Baum on Twitter. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm about to marry a pig. I now pronounce you <laughs> You gotta love Matt Baum. And uh, scary stuff. So let's break this down just a little bit. Uh, and this There'll week, be pork in the treetops come morning. A recommendation for his nominee to replace Anton Scalia on the Supreme Court. Uh, and he has three potential folks that have been publicized that he wants to uh, consider for that seat. And all of them, in my opinion, are equally horrible. Um, the good news is, though, that it would be hard to be as conservative as Anton Scalia was. 
Well, Clarence Thomas sort of manages that. but He, he, he does, but he's already there, right? <laughs> right. Um, and so this is to replace a vacancy. And, and so the question that comes up is, well, is this going to disrupt the balance of the court? This particular appointment, probably not. Right, right. The danger comes then from the next one. And potentially within the current president's tenure, uh, two Supreme Court justices, maybe in addition to this appointment, who are in their 80s, who are in their 80s, um, could decide to retire or need to be replaced. Let's hope not. But it's that next one, uh, that next appointment, that could really tip the balance of the court. And what Matt laid out there in terms of a possibility and a process for overturning marriage equality could happen. It would be unprecedented. The Supreme Court has never done that so quickly. They have reversed their, their minds on things, but typically... Rarely, but... Yeah. Rarely, but, they, but the things that they've reversed their mind on, and I'm, what comes to mind is Lawrence v. Texas, the right. sodomy laws case, was done in the favor of sort of an evolution of rights and a recognition that people's right to privacy in their own home, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, don't, I can't think of an example where they have reversed a case where rights have been taken away from people. We're living in different times. We are living different times, as Matt just said. <laughs> that's so, right. I mean, you know, that's, they, they may never overturn Roe v. Wade, but boy, they're chiseling it away. Right, right. <laughs> in well, state houses and states all over the country. And, so. and then the more dangerous thing in my mind that we really need to be paying attention to is what Matt talked about in the form of a religious liberty act or an amendment to the Constitution or some addition to the Constitution, which would give people the ability to decide, I don't want to make your wedding cake. Because I don't believe, based on religious principles, in same-sex marriage. And that is a slippery slope. That is the way the license, if you will, to discriminate openly on the basis of a faith against, at least in our case, LGBT folks. Right. Is not some of that happening now, though? It, sure. Um, there, are, there are some state laws that, that protect uh, folks from discrimination where you can't do that. But, yeah, there are cases of that already happening. And there are, what, 100-plus bills I read in the legislature around the country that are various forms at the state level of that religious freedom law. So-called religious freedom law. But this is something that would be imposed at the national level that would have, I think, devastating consequences for us. And we will not have marriage equality (laughs) if these bills pass, whether on a federal – you know, like we say, we're very protected here in California. It's wonderful, but say you have to move to Texas. You know, or say you have to move to Georgia. Well, you mentioned Texas. There's a case that is going through the courts at the very entry levels right now. They're challenging some obligations around rights for same-sex couples. Right. And that could be a case that, as Matt just mentioned, that could be a catalyst for, Mm -hmm. let's say, the attorney general to encourage the Supreme Court to overturn marriage. And they're a test. They find they, meaning mostly the GOP, the right, the religious right, um, they go before a judge. Um, that they know will give them a favorable ruling in dinky little tiny town, Texas. And um, it works its way to the Supreme Court. And that's what they want to do. You know, I keep talking about Roe v. Wade and abortion, but that's what's happened. You know, the slowly chiseling, chiseling away of, of, of that right. Right. Horrific. Michaela, what have you heard? What what other kinds of issues are on people's minds uh, in terms of their fear of, potential losses? Well, I think we've touched on a couple of them right now. Of course, the whole immigration thing. We can look at the whole marriage equality 
aspect of it, which we have been doing. We can look at Mike Pence. He's got a history of support for anti-LGBT measures. These are people who feel that the rights are already there. In their consciousness, they are. But uh, obviously we know differently. And yet their, their attitude and their consciousness is that, hey, we don't need special rights for these people. They're all protected under one big general national constitution, which we know is not true, but the rationale is that, that this is unnecessary. We've got transgender rights. Um, Trump flip-flops all the time based on where the most pressure comes from in terms of support, non-support, etc. Uh, this last thing I heard is voice to support for the controversial HB2 law, which says that he, and he's now saying, saying that he supports the anti-transgender law in North Carolina, which effectively opposes the Obama administration's lead for transgender students being allowed to use restrooms that match their gender identity. So there's all kinds of, again, slippery slopes connected with that. Trump goes where the wind blows the most definite, and he looks for the ang ang aggrandizement, is that the word I want? Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to, to make him look good in the eyes of whoever is pushing the hardest. Yeah, well, and he's got a whole stack of executive orders that uh, are left over from the Obama administration that protect LGBT people from discrimination uh, who work for federal contractors. And then, the, of course, access to the restroom uh, that corresponds with your gender identity orders. We haven't seen him reverse those yet. And let's, but they're coming. I think they're probably coming, too. I think it will all show up on his desk. Right. I mean, he's indicated uh, federal employee non-discrimination, you know out the window um so it, yeah it, it's it's most definitely coming so we've got some pretty progressive and inclusive laws here in california gary what have you heard about our protections here within the state but well, you know we're we're doing we've got a supermajority um in the state legislature. we've got um an incredible governor who's very supportive um, of LGBT rights. I, you know, we have a long history here back from the uh, early 70s of uh, people, of uh, uh, our lawmakers recognizing LGBT rights. Um, it's certainly heartening. Um, it, it, there's so much. Uh, you, you talked about uh, Equality California, um, a long list of um, information. I, it, you know, almost every six months there's new. Uh, New bills being introduced um, uh, about uh, adoption, transgender, you know, uh, gender identity issues. Um, we you just know, talked about it on the news tonight, right? And in line with that, so Senators Tony Atkins and Scott Weiner from here in San Francisco has just announced that there is legislation in process being enabled to more transgender, intersex, and non-binary people allowing them to obtain state-issued state identity documents most accurately reflecting their gender. So this bill is sponsored by Equality California and the Transgender Law Center. Fantastic. Senate, right. Senate Bill SB 179 would accomplish this by creating a third non-binary gender marker on California birth certificates. 
This would also include driver's license, your identity cards, and gender change court orders. The bill streamlines processes for Californians to apply to the state for a change in gender on these particular documents. Right. Right. So those things are in process now. Right. That's right. And, and, you know, we need to keep pushing and, um, you know, call. Call your representatives. That's a great point. I think phone calls of support are as important as phone calls of complaint. Right. So in this particular case, give your local representative, your local assembly person, and your local senator a phone call and say, hey, I heard about this bill. It's something I really believe in, and I expect you to vote yes. And they are paying attention. They really do write down this information. Yeah. And and on the the darker side of the spectrum, please do not <laughs> vote for Jeff Sessions. Please do not vote for Ben Carson. Please do not um, support right. uh, Trump's uh, Supreme Court nomination. Um, you know, the Republicans have been blocking <laughs> um, President Obama's um, actions uh, and appointments for eight years right you know they spent eight years doing it and now um that the tables have turned um they're crying foul so let's shift gears a bit uh jeff the affordable care act is another one that's on big is another big issue on people's minds for a whole bunch of different reasons but for lgbt folks it has some real real serious implications you did some research on that for us i sure did um and just to stay with our theme of Uh, accurate news. This all comes from Huffington Post. Um, So the ACA is particularly important for the queer community for a lot of different reasons. Um, But one in particular is that LGBT people are less likely to be insured and to have insurance uh, through their spouse than uh, straight people um, uh, because of um, employers offering or not offering um, uh, partner domestic ben- uh, domestic partner uh, benefits. So uh, to fix that, the ACA um, had set up a system in the Office of Civil Rights to make sure that LGBTs get equal access to coverage. And in the first year since the ACA was enacted, the number of uninsured LGBT people decreased by 24% Wow! by just having that system in place to make sure. And that's a big deal. It's huge. That's huge. Um, one other reason that the ACA was uh, of particular interest is, of course, um, the high prevalence of HIV in the LGBT community. And the ACA provides for free HIV tests as a preventative measure, um, <clears throat> along with screening for depression, HPV, hepatitis, eating disorders, breast cancers. All those things um, are more prevalent under among certain queer populations. So uh, even the ACA helps people deal with all of those things in addition to the big one of HIV. And, and, you know, where did you say the highest prevalence of new HIV infections is coming from? Gary of, had of, the, of the 14 cities last year with the highest numbers, um, 13 of them were in the south. In the yeah. south. In, the, in south. the south. Right. Yes. So, you know, this is a problem that is impacting... So much of our country, particularly those regions of the country that have been most critical of the Affordable Care Act. McLeary, you going to add something? Well, I was was in the sense of 
an alarming aspect of this whole HIV, the fact that there's a prevalence of that in the South, goes along with how embedded their religious beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And that takes us into this whole idea of conversion therapy, which Pence, for one, is in favor of. And a lot of people in positions of power feel that conversion therapy is the solution to HIV, to the whole orientation of, of homosexuals, of the transgender lifestyle, all of that. It's all about being wrong and that it can be fixed. Right, cured. And that's dangerous. So another example, um, going uh, talking more about uh, what the ACA did for the queer community, this HIV treatment can cost thousands of dollars per month. And insurance companies that don't want to pay for the treatment, um, with, this is without the ACA, of course, insurance companies that don't want to pay for the treatment could just refuse to cover all gay people on the basis that gay men are more likely to right. be HIV positive. Or they could simply raise money monthly premiums just for gay people or they could create a lifetime cap cap Mm -hmm. so that you pay into their system and then as soon as you need expensive treatment they just drop you right um and all of those examples were legal before the aci banned them or hiv status would be a pre-existing condition absolutely in in addition you could be excluded right they we won't insure you because you have a pre-existing condition and a lot of men have been able to access truvada as a prep uh, to prevent the spread of HIV, I mean, the strategy here is to prevent the spread to eventually wipe it out. How's the ACA or the elimination of the ACA going to impact access to Travada? Well, you know, the elimination of it eliminates benefits altogether, not you know, not just prescription benefits, but of course, Travada is a prescription that you get to but use. But a preventative for, prescription, right? yeah, as opposed yeah. to a treatment, so, and very expensive, and very, very, very expensive if you had to pay for it um, as a out retail cost right. out of pocket. So. Of course, um, and it just uh, the, this whole discussion goes back to the, what we said in the beginning of um, it's just so important to call your representatives, organize, march, speak out about why these issues matter. Right, Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for that report, Jeff. But I, as we sit here and I'm thinking about you talking about the South and that HIV is so prevalent there in the South. Think about what we're talking about: LGBTQ rights. Right? right. These people are in the closet; mm-hmm. they right. can't yeah. come out. That's so right. it's going to even get worse. Right. It's a, and it's an it's an oppressive atmosphere which yeah. prevents people from coming out and being able to to express themselves in a in a way that maybe would be more safe. From a health perspective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, all, all good points. So let's talk about activism. I mean, we've, we've been sort of complaining and, and talking about all of the issues that are out there, and we could go on and talk about issues, I think, for the next several hours. <laughs> this is really a call to action now. And as I look back in history, I, I am reminded about Proposition 8. Prop 8 came to California. I think the greater part of our community thought, you know what, there's no way Californians are going to vote to take away our rights. I don't need to be involved. We got this licked. And then lo and behold, they won. And then we sat around thinking, oh my gosh, how did this happen? Well, it happened because people sat around and didn't do anything about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And and for folks out there listening that are taking a wait-and-see attitude, it's happening now. Mm -hmm. 
There, there is no time to sit around and wait and see. So I think we should talk a lot about what can you do. Gary, let's start with you. Talk about some grassroots work. I mean, you were involved in the ACT UP movement, which is what got HIV treatments really moving Mm -hmm. here in this country. Right, right. What should people be doing? It was a big test. Uh, Cher brought it up when she was talking about, um, you know, taking care of yourself, but specializing. That was the first sort of discussion at ACT UP. Okay, what can you do? Are you comfortable being out in the street? Are you comfortable doing this? Are you all about research? You know, do you know about uh, medical issues? Um, You know, do you know how the government works? (laughs) Right, now social media. media. Right, right. Um, So, and and again, and another thing Shara said, specialize and and, and, um, so you don't feel overwhelmed. And, and, you know, in ACT UP, one of the things was, even though it was this horrible situation, the idea of having fun. You know, fun was involved. It was street theater. You know, uh, it was outrageous at times. And, you know, a die-in and blood being thrown around and coffins dragged around. You know, there come the cameras. There are the reporters. That's how it works. Um, and we're seeing it right now. You know, people right. are at the airport. I mean, spoke to a couple of people today who were like, oh, I ran to the airport yesterday. I was just like, wow. You know, I was in San Francisco. And I thought, well, this is going on. I'm going to go. Um so yeah, we you know we need to act before it gets worse, um, and you know they're paying attention. Trump is paying attention. He watches the news. The GOP is paying attention, whether it's the Tea Party or it's the or it's um, establishment Republicans. They are paying the t- the Supreme Court is paying attention. Sure, um, they act like they don't, but they do. So there's a movement. That's why we have marriage equality. You know, this slow movement. You know, polls. More and more Americans were saying yes, yes, this is the right thing to do, and then it became law. Um, so there's so many organizations do what you can, you know, locally, nationally, um, and, and do what feels good. And there's solace in that finding like-minded, like Diana said, find like-minded people, people you feel safe with. Um, and it's, and it's rewarding, you know, be part of the solution. Well, and a lot of these organizations need your help. They need your help with time and they need your help with money. Sharon died. Give us a sense of some of the local organizations here. Remind our listeners of those that are right here in Sonoma County that they can get involved with. Right here, we have uh, PI. PI provides support and advocacy to Sonoma County LGBTQI youth. Positive images. Positive images. What did I say? Well, you said PI. PI. Oh, PI. Okay, (laughs) yeah. Positive. Okay, yeah. Uh, Ages 12 to 24, and they educate the greater community, a great organization. LGBTQ Connections is another organization, and it's youth-led, and it increases awareness, inclusion, and support of LGBTQ people of all ages and races. PFLAG, I'm very uh, a good uh, promoter of PFLAG, parents, friends of lesbian and gays, and all the other letters that goes with that. If you're needing some support, um, PFLAG is another organization. Cher, you have a, a couple that you want to... I have one that I'm really, really passionate about. Again, it has to do with um, learning about our Muslim neighbors, and it's called the Interfaith Council of Sonoma County. It's called Of One Soul, and they were there today, too. Um, If you go to these meetings, if you feel like you don't know what to do and you know it's wrong, you know, to... 
you know, Diana has a lot of uh, experience uh, driving while black. I mean, you know, racism is here, just like homophobia. And to help in these times, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know any Muslim people. But joining this group, finding them on, finding them on Facebook, Interfaith Council of Sonoma County, or contacting David Hoffman, who's the one of the leaders at SoCoInterfaith at gmail.com, will help you with meetings. It'll help you learn what to say, what not to say. And another way to help yourself is um, there's an Interfaith, All Faith Welcome chant circle at Ner Shalom once a month that, you know, it gets into how to take care of yourself and doing this with people of all different religions and all different faiths, uh, chanting in Hebrew is a really great way, I think, to bring some solace into these very hard times that we're facing. Fantastic. Okay. I just want to mention my Private Lies, Private Lies, my play. Um, if you're interested in helping and supporting that, because my play is all about keeping our lives visible, the yep. LGBTQ community. So where can people go to get information about that? Uh, Di, you could just write me, uh, Di Grayer at Sonic.net, or you can go to Private Lives, Private Lies Facebook page. Perfect. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of young people are really feeling very frightened right now. Jeff, talk about some of the youth organizations in addition to Positive Images. Sure. Out there. Sure. So um, there's, well, starting at the high school level, um, there's several local area high schools that have uh, gay straight alliances. Um, and sometimes they go by a different name other than just GSA or gay straight alliance. Um, in looking at Sonoma County schools online and actually looking at their websites, um, I found that uh, Annalee High School has a, um, a club called the Rainbow Alliance, Elsie um, Allen, Maria Carrillo, Casa Grande, Petaluma High, Windsor High, Santa Rosa High, they all have gay-straight alliances. Um, the Windsor High School one I have to mention because they have not only on a website, they have a Facebook, they have a Twitter, they have um, mm. all of the right. social media covered. Um, so Windsor High School, props to you guys. You guys are doing great. Um, if I didn't mention your high school and uh, maybe you want to start a GSA, you know, talk to a trusted teacher. Talk to someone that you're comfortable with. And and. Uh, encourage that teacher to go to gsanetwork.org. That's a website that will give you all the resources to start a GSA in a high school. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to the colleges around here, we have the Santa Rosa Junior College. Uh, they have a club called the Diverse Genders and Sexualities Club. And that club meets on Wednesdays um, at 10.15 in the morning in the on the Santa Rosa campus in the uh, area called Mikasa. So um, take a look at that and um, also at Sonoma State, it's called the Queer Straight Alliance or the QSA, and they say their club is a safe place for queer students to find support from each other and from straight allies at the university. And as a club, they promote acceptance throughout Sonoma State via events focused around the LGBTQ plus community. Fantastic! And they have a Facebook page. Their meetings are on Fridays from twelve to one at the Hub at Sonoma State. Awesome! Right. Yeah, the Anna? one thing I'm. Con- 
concerned about as we're talking about this are those kids, and I've heard of these kids, who are afraid to even go to a GSA. You know, so we have to come up with something else yeah. for those kids who are afraid because of family situations. Or, well, mm-hmm. I'll give you one resource right now. Okay. If we've got any young people out there that are listening that are just needing some access to information that's reliable. If you go to www.matthewsplace.com, that's matthewsplace.com. It's, an, it's a website operated by the Matthew Shepard Foundation dedicated to supporting exactly those kids who are too afraid to even go to a GSA meeting. We are running out of time, of course. (laughs) That's the age-old problem, right? But I want to go around the room and starting with Michaela. Uh, Talk to us about your impressions. What's your best advice for people right now? These are confusing times, and we all grew up with a, the very first thing we learned was look left and look right before you cross the street. Look both directions before you cross the street. Be aware. Take responsibility. Be savvy in what you hear. Be smart about what you say. Find your place, whether that means you are a protester or you write letters or you simply count daisies in the field. Now, if you're the guy who hands out water on the sidelines, fine. That's great. But be authentic about it and don't and give yourself permission to do whatever you can. You don't have to do it all. But by doing whatever you can, mm-hmm. each of us then contributes to the greater good. Fantastic. Jeff? I think that for me it's it's thinking about how important these times are i almost did not go to the women's march last week i i was so down about everything going on that i just wanted to retreat and then at the last possible second i made that decision that this is the most important thing that i could be doing right now to support everyone to support women to support lgbt and this is the time. This is the time to get involved, to, just as Michaela just said, to find your place and to do something. Perfect. Gary? Just keep yourself informed. Mm-hmm. Get the correct news. Get news that's important to you and um, use that information to make this Fantastic. world a better place. Mm-hmm. Diana? Breathe. Breathe, people. Uh, the march, <laughs> excellent. Good way to energize for us all to feel good. Um, I just want to leave you with Rumi uh, poem, uh, quote, Move within, but don't move the way fear makes you move. Fantastic. Sure. A quote from Eli Weitzel, World War II. We must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. When human lives are endangered, when human dignity is in jeopardy, national borders and sensitivities become irrelevant. Wherever men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must, at that moment, become the center of the universe. And there you have it. That wraps up our show. I hope you learned something tonight. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Good Good night. night.